Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 54, Guardians of the Galaxy. The Undead Wookiee is brought to you in association with Rubber Johnny's, Ireland's newest mask, fancy dress and toy company. Got an idea for a mask design? They can make it for you. Hello and welcome. Like I said, this is episode 54. Now before I dive in and introduce my very, very, very special guest, Maestro, play that intro. I loved my intro. I know it's my intro and I, it's controversial, but I love it. And I know I probably played way too much of it, So, but tough tit, it's my show. Hello and welcome back. We're a little bit behind on this episode, so I do apologise, but at the moment, juggling a lot of plates, making a film, going to be shooting a trailer very, very soon, trying to balance it all. It's tough work. However, we've got a fantastic episode with you, and I am joined by my brother from another mother, Mr. Leighton Winston, and we are talking Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1. Now, before I bring him in, let's check out the trailer. Now. Yeah. Hey, cool man. No problem. No problem at all. Who are you? Star Lord. Who? Well, Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw? Forget it. We arrested these five on Xandar. Check out the rap sheets. Drax, AKA the Destroyer. Since his wife and family were killed, he's been on a rampage across the galaxy in his search for vengeance. Gamora, soldier, assassin, wanted on over a dozen counts of murder. Rocket, wanted on over 50 charges of vehicular theft and escape from lockup. What the hell? Groot, he's been traveling recently as Rocket's personal houseplant slash muscle. Peter Jason Quill, he's also known as Star-Lord. Who calls him that? Himself, mostly. He's wanted largely on charges of minor assault, public intoxication, and fraud. Oh, I'm sorry. I. I didn't know how this machine worked. Hey, hey, hey! That's mine. You son of a bitch. Hey! Take those headphones off right now! the Guardians of the Galaxy. What a bunch of a-holes. I'm hooked on a feeling. I'm high on 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And it seems like it's been some time before my brother from another mother has joined us. Ladies and gentlemen, jungle your jewellery, put your hands together. Welcome back, Mr. Leighton Winston. Crowd <sighs> go wild. <sighs> Calm down, people. Calm <laughs> <down>. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm all right, man. You? Yeah, yeah. After my glitter-based incident earlier, uh, which we I won't discuss I, d- discuss I, on air. <laughs> no, I thought we weren't going to discuss that. But there we are. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've been jet-setting around the world, apparently. Um, yeah, I have been uh, over to the other side of the Atlantic to visit um, New York City ah. for my for a significant birthday with my wife. Um, her birthday, not mine. And, uh, <laughs> you had to get that in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. It was amazing. Absolutely brilliant. So, so a lot of film. Uh, well, I, 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 as anyone who visits New York, you accidentally bump into these film locales. And um, the one thing I've said to everybody about my trip is um, it is surreal almost because when you actually see it in Real yeah. life, for want of a better word, you yeah. know, not in print and not on screen and not on the television. It's breathtaking. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. It was brilliant. And I managed to find Ghostbusters HQ. <laughs> found, found Hook and Ladder. Nice. Found it. Went there. Totally geeked out. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's, it was amazing. It was amazing. Fair play. Fair play. Awesome. Now, this episode, of course, we are talking... Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1. We call it Volume 1. I don't know, it's just Guardians of the Galaxy, I suppose. Yeah, it's just yeah, Guardians it's, of the Galaxy. I, 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 you know, I just, Volume 1, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we'll get on, we'll come on to that. However, apparently there's some, like, really small award ceremony um, that's taking place at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Oscars. <laughs> yeah, the Oz cars. Yeah. <laughs> the the ninety first um, Oz cars um, taking place this evening. Um, with let's put it this way: how can we put it? Um, put it this way with some very strange nominations. Yeah, um, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, let's look at you know, let's let's quickly digress because um, it's you know wouldn't be a, a, a movie podcast in any way, shape, or form if you didn't look at it. Um, right, we got Black Klansman, which is superb, yes. which is absolutely Amazing. superb. Spike Lee is genius. That's, that's Spike Lee's best film in a very long time. Yes. Very, very long time. Yeah. Um, the less said about this is old boy remake, the better. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, it's Spike Lee's best film in a very long time. A very, very long time. Uh, Green Book, which I haven't seen. No, I am the scene, to be honest. Um, I am And I think, um, what's the guy's name? Marshall, Marshall, Marshall Ali. Yeah. He's a, I think he's, um, he's pretty much the favourite to win his category. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got Roma. Masterpiece. And <laughs> we, I mean, I, I'm yet to see it. It is on my watch list, but I have got Cannibal Holocaust 2 to watch. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> from, from, from one from one film where every scene is a painting, you know, and every moment and thought put into it. So you know when you're watching it, you realise, and then you got Roma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> no, um, Roma is a masterpiece. I know some people have issue with it. Um, I was recently discussing it with um, Sky from Film Eighty Nine um, about you know what I what I thought about it, what he thought about it, and um, you know we had slightly conflicting thoughts and you know whatnot. But you know they, that's film, you know. But uh, it's, I think it's a masterpiece. It genuinely is. Genuinely is. No, we got Black Panther. Absolutely amazing film. Yeah, yeah. I finally have caught up with it. It is, it is an incredible. It's it's, it's, it's an incredible. It is an incredible film. It is an yes. absolutely incredible film. Um, Fantastic. Then we've got A Star Is Born, which I have watched this weekend, and I will say it is very, very good. It's depressing as fuck. Man. <laughs> it's, really, it's really good. It is really good. And then we've got Vice. Haven't seen. Uh, which I haven't seen. Um, we've got The Favourite. Which, and regrettably, I haven't seen, but everything I hear about it, it says it's fantastic. Now, here we go. Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. Seeing as we are doing a Marvel... If this is the first Marvel film? This is our um, first Marvel film, yeah. Right. You Apparently, you went up for doing the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. <laughs> yeah I, that's that's another conversation but i can't i can't fathom how a film as average as bohemian rhapsody gets nominated for best picture over a film like infinity war yeah because infinity yeah. war is 10 times better than bohemian rhapsody yes i'd even go as far as saying mission of possible fallout is 10 times better than bohemian rhapsody and i personally think those films are more deserving than bold rappers some people are calling it um i will say this <laughs> they are apparently. right apparently. okay if you ever hear anybody saying the word bow rap <laughs> resist the urge to be ruined <laughs> um, look I, I, my, I took my son to see it he, 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 he really wanted to see it so we went and I will say the last 20 minutes the live age sequence is done brilliantly Yeah, it is constructed brilliantly um, the cast are very very good Rami Malek is very very good as Freddie Mercury yeah. it does take some adjusting to see him getting used to his teeth shall we say <laughs> um, but the guys who play the rest of the band are really good they're really good um, however it's too sanitised um, yeah, as, yeah. I, as, I, as I said to a friend well actually yes I do want to see the German gay sex bars and stuff like that happening because that was his life it yeah. seems a very it seems a very sanitised tribute to Freddie Mercury, which, you know, from the band's perspective, I totally understand. However, I don't think it's a true reflection. It's not a true reflection of who the person was. And also, the timeline is... They say certain songs came out in this time. It didn't. They came out, like, two years before. Yeah, And they're yeah. quite happy to go along with it. And it's done. And there's other things done as for st uh, storytelling purposes that I... I understand from a filmmaking perspective, but you know, if you're going to be put it this way, if I was a, if I was a huge Queen fan, yeah, and you know, there's an awful lot of them out there. You know, I'm not going to deny it. I, I like the music of Queen. Yeah, and we we discussed this when we did Flash Gordon. Um, but if I was if I was a bona fide died in the world Queen fan, I would be 
a little bit pissed off with Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think, here's the other thing, right? If you're going to tell a biography and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, sh- I think you were due to, you were on a bound to show the, the yes. darker side, yes. the unpleasantness, as well as the incredible genius, as yeah. well as those, those incredible highs. Because yeah. if you show that, then you're showing a true reflection of the person as a human being. And yes. you, you, you know, don't get me wrong. I think as, you know, Freddie Mercury as a performer was just, he's just out of this world. Yeah. He was an incredible live performer. He had an incredible voice. He had an incredible talent. Yeah. But, and, you know, there's a bit of, there's a bit of shadow there. There's a bit of darkness as well. Yeah. And, and I think, whereas they make mention or nod towards it, I think they, as I said, I think they, 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 they they're too respectful almost. And yeah. And I, th- yeah. I got to be honest. I think this is just down because it's become a very, very successful film. It's it's made something like eight hundred million at the box office, which is <laughs> which insane. is startling. It is insane, right? And I I think this is almost like the popularist nod. We you know we 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 we're giving this to the audiences. But I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you now. I I think this is just given. A little bit of Oscar, a little bit of a kick in the shins, almost. Um, whereas oh, the Oscars are always seen as a very credible award sequence, and uh, and, and I think this is like you know, oh, this is we're going to point this towards the, you know, the, the 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 bigger audiences who don't perhaps pay attention. Yeah, yeah. And this and this is why I think Infinity War or something like Mission Impossible should have been recognised. Um, not just for its special effects or things yeah. like that. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to talk about a good film, we're talking about two of the best films of last year, unquestionably. Yeah. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody isn't one of those. No. What is a really interesting category this year is the animated categories. Well, I think I haven't seen what is likely to be the winner. Well, you got Isla, I think Isla Dogs is is just really clever. I think it's really really clever. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse Which is, I think will win Is incredible It's so good I haven't seen it It is so good But I, it's, there, you are, there you are then right That's the one film I have not heard a single negative thing about it, If if that's the, that's, that's the case here Why isn't it in Best film Over Bohemian Rap Yeah yeah. I don't understand this. This, 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 this one category to have animated feature it doesn't make sense to me because I think the advent of say Pixar and um, DreamWorks making the animated features, yeah. I think they, they, they almost created this category to accommodate them. Whereas I think, well, if the film is that good, just make it a best picture nominee. It doesn't yeah. make sense to yeah. me. Yeah. It really doesn't. But no, I hear, I've heard nothing but good things about well, Spike Man. And the other thing as well, best supporting roles, right? I, again, I think what, Adam Driver, Sam Elliott, Richard E. Grant, mm-hmm. I love Richard E. Grant, and Sam mm-hmm. Rockwell. Just, what, what a strong, what, what a strong category. And um, the aforementioned Marshall Ma- uh, Ali, yes, yeah, yeah, right. Um, from what I understand, Sam Rockwell is in Vice for about five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and well, it has happened previously. You know, people making a fleeting cameo, isn't it? Judy Dench, yeah. the most um, 
yes. you know, obvious one there. But um, Sam Elliott, again, he's in his not in Star is born that much. When he is in there, he he's, he is tremendous because he's he's just a phenomenal actor anyway. Oh, but, um, he is an incredible. I mean, I think the one thing that is very very fair to say about Sam Elliott is his his filmography is varied. You know, he, he yeah. goes for you know he goes from Roadhouse. <laughs> right, yeah. he go, you know, you think he goes from Roadhouse, he goes to um, Blue Jean Cop, Blue Jean Cop, <laughs> yeah, Blue Jean Cop, Fatal Beauty with Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> so then, yeah. a star is born, but then you see him in other projects where he pops up, like um, Gettysburg, the, yeah. the, 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 which is a superb film, which is just an incredible historic piece. And he's out, but he's outstanding in all of them. Yeah, and, and the Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah. And Tombstone, he's in Tombstone as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's awesome in Tombstone. He's yeah. awesome in Tombstone. Right. So let's get round to it. Let's get round to this one. Guardians of the Galaxy, 2014. Yeah, I was, I was quite surprised at that. I 2014. Yeah, I mean, uh, directed by James Gunn. Um, now, this is the crazy, crazy bit. There's a ten writers on this film. Yeah, it it, it, it did have an, a script written originally by Nicole Perlman. Yes, yeah. And then when James Gunn came on board, he went through a little bit of rewrites, didn't he? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, more so by James Gunn than anybody else, I think. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it, I think do you want, I think we need to get James Gunn out of the way because obviously he directed this. He directed the sequel. He's wrote the script for the volume three. However, he was booted by Disney last year, wasn't he? Quite unceremoniously. Yes. Yeah. For um, a couple of um, probably mis uh, misjudged, misguided. Um, comments made many years ago that Disney um, totally want to distance themselves from. Um, what he what he, what he has had since my um, and I think this is huge credit to them is backing of the cast, yes. the predominant yeah. the core cast. Yeah, they all came out in support, and I think, excuse me. And I think that they're as vocal as they've been, I think the contracts they've signed are probably going to negate them sort of leaving the franchise because... Um, well, yes. I think... You know... Who, who, who turns their back on Disney? I mean, let's be fair, Disney are like the fucking CIA. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, us talking about it, there's, there's a van pulling up outside now. <laughs> and I'm going to be whisked away by uh, Goofy and... Um, Get on the floor, asshole! <laughs> yeah, no, it, and it's um, it's it's going to be a shame because I I think it, the the, the rumour is that they are going to use this script for Volume Three. Um, it's just, again, it's just a bit of a kick in the teeth. Oh um, yeah, it's a proper kick in the dick in it because yeah, and you know, and he, he's not, he, and I think why these those two films have worked so well is because of his writing and his direction and, you know, the, the energy and the fun yes. that he's brought to these films, uh, yes. to the two films. And 
it's going to take something quite significant for volume three to work as well as the first two have. And I suppose really you should include Infinity Border because the sequences yeah, that they're yeah. involved, um, you know, they bring the same energy and the same. And again, um, they're going to play a bigger part in the next one. You know, yeah, absolutely. They'll be a bigger yeah. part in it. And I think <sighs> what, <laughs> you know, the, the, I won't read out the tweets that, uh, no. <laughs> that, <Don't>. that, <laughs> that he, he, because, you know, th- there's a few in there. That are, you know, close to the bone, um, and very, very mistimed. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, this is the one thing that people do forget is that nothing is, if you put anything online, it's there forever. No matter if you delete it, it is going to be there forever. Somebody will have it. And, you know, he's, you know, at the height of the the Me Too and the Times Up movement, and to make sort of those kind of those kind kind of comments, he re, and you know also at the same time, not far off, you had Roseanne Barr making her comments, and yeah. essentially, you know, he fell victim to that. I mean, you know, yeah. they, they, it's not saying that the, the things that they said or, or did are the same thing, but they kind of, you know. I think I think I think the biggest kick in in that in, the, in what's happened with him is that the tweets were from years and years and years and years know, ago. Yeah. yeah, I think they go back to seventy two. Yeah, and somebody sort of purposely went out of the way almost to yeah. dig dirt and look. It's happened. It's not long and done about it. Um, it's going to be fascinating to an extent to see what actually happens with the franchise. You know, it, I've got no doubt it will be made. Yeah. Um, but he's off to do um, Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah. yeah. Which I personally think is a little bit of a step down. <laughs> um, I mean, or he could be the saving grace for the DC for the DC universe. Well, potentially, yes. Yes. Because old... Know. Old Batflick is going through it at the minute. Yeah, I've I've got to be honest. I, I said from the off that I think Ben Nat, Ben Affleck was the ideal Batman, right age, right physique, you know, and all the yeah, rest. Yeah, I like him as Batman. I like him. Yeah, as Batman. and you know, he's decided now that he doesn't want the part. Um, he's not going to direct it. Um, it's. <sighs> It's just, it's it's interesting to see, but the, the the flip side to that is, do we really need to see another Batman? Well, you know, I got to be honest with you. I've only recently found out that his parents were shot, <laughs> and um, apparently there's a lot of like sequences involving it. I I I don't know where I was. I I, I you know, and apparently, I, I, apparently, Spider Man's been rebooted as well. Well. <sighs> This is the thing, you know. Do we, do we do do we really need another Batman film? I mean, it is ridiculous when you stand back and you look at it, isn't it? You know. You know, I, I look. I don't get me wrong. I love Batman. It would be great to see a really, really, you know, maybe not a reboot, because I think we get it. He's fucked in the head. He's got mil- He's got billions of dollars, and his <laughs> mummy and daddy were shot. Fine. In front of him. In yeah. front of him. Let him go and do what Batman does and be the world's greatest detective and beat people up. Yeah. Yes, that's what I want to see. Yeah. You know. Yes, he's. I, you know. Yes, he's. He, you know, on some kind of level, he's deeply psychotic. And 
But yeah, come on. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we really need to have another one. We don't. Just be honest. It's Especially bit, when you yeah. look, you look at the quality of some of those films that have been made about him. I mean, look at look at the masterpiece that is Batman and Robin. I oh, mean, I, hey, anything with bat nipples, I'm there. You know, see no more now. See no more. <laughs> That was on the other day somewhere, and I, I just, I literally, um, I, I think I watched the, is it another sequence where Batgirl first arrives? Yeah. I know where you just go, oh, sweet mother of God. <laughs> on, on what level did anybody think that this was going to work? And yeah. Chris O'Donnell looks genuinely embarrassed the entire time that he's there. Yeah, and Clooney does, and Uma Thurman does. Yeah. The only one who doesn't is Arnie. Who's loving he's it. Having, he's having a wheel of a time, you can see it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of the, I tell you what the other thing is, some of the comments that uh, Paul Verhoeven made towards Alicia Silverstone in the making of that film were... Joel at, Schumacher. Joel Schumacher. Why did I say, uh, what did I say? Paul Verhoeven. Oh, yeah. See, now that... Paul Verhoeven's take on Batman, I'd fuck there'd be boobs and dicks and body parts everywhere. It'd be awesome. That's what we want. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Guardians anyway, of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. I mean this is I think it's a brilliant, brilliant example of um, the combination of outstanding storytelling, storytelling using mm. a, the perfect three-part structure for storytelling, mm. and also using a score to highlight the nostalgia element of it, which absolutely—it's it, got one of my—it it probably it's got my favorite soundtrack. It's one of my favorite soundtracks to, to a film. I absolutely love it. Yeah, uh, I think. When you set the tone for your film, um, it, it, well, I, 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 I said the same thing when the film came out. Um, the soundtrack is, it, it's, it's, it's tremendous. It's, yeah. it's amazing. When you start with a song as bleak as I'm Not In Love by 10cc. Yeah. Right, and let's get it out of the way. That opening sequence is really, really bleak. Well, it really is. Well, and again, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, where's, where's, where, where's the talking tree? Hang on, nobody said anything about you know somebody dying on screen in front of right. you. you Why know, is there a woman bleak? dying of cancer in front of me? I'm expecting a raccoon with a machine gun. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't then, want to feel. Yes, and then to go then to set the what what ultimately would set the tone for the both films and the sequences in Infinity War, I imagine, yeah. Endgame, um, is the Walkman going on and the press in play yeah. and the red red bone song coming on. Yeah. Um Can We Get Your Love. Yeah. And that sets the tone for the rest of it. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. sets the tone yeah. for the rest of it. Yeah. And I mean like the sort of you know, that that scene, that opening scene you you know you get this sort of you get it's, it 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 works so well as like a quiet drama yeah it works yeah. so well and you you you, you because the rest of the film is so much fun you kind of sort of it plays in the back it, it's there in the background all the time and actually yeah. it's yeah. a mark of chris pratt's performance throughout this that 
he, you know, he doesn't go around, you know, he doesn't mope around the rest of the film. There is this, there's this energy, there's this fun to it. It is, an outcome, yeah. you know, it's a brilliant, brilliant moment. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it, it's good as well because, um, I don't want to do the sequel, but it's, if you look at the parallel to the sequel, the, the sequel actually opens with his mother and yeah. his father. But then I find volume two is really quite downbeat towards the end of it. Oh, yeah, 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 completely. Whereas this, you know, your bleak part is in the beginning. Volume two, the bleak is at the end. Spoiler. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and it, this, it's, it's, it's a good role reversal almost between yeah. the two. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, and as, as, I, as I said, and you said, you know, Chris Pratt, when he puts the Walkman on and starts dancing to himself and singing along, it does set for, 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 for what's coming up. And it, that's the, that's the thing about Guardians of the Galaxy. It is without doubt Marvel's most fun film. Yeah. I think, um, I think, I think Ant-Man, um, is fun, is good fun, and is good knockabout fun, and the sequel to, uh, Ant-Man the Wasp is, is fun. Um, Ragnarok is just mental. Um, <laughs> as, as funny, as funny as Ragnarok is, it's just mental, it's total batshit crazy. But Guardians of the Galaxy, um, which was Marvel's 10th film. Yeah. When it came out, um, is without doubt the one with, the effervescence. Um, yes. Yeah. I, yeah you know, that, the, that's a brilliant way to describe it. And it is effervescence. Because yeah. yeah. it fizzes. Yes. And even as dark and grimy that, you know, certain sequences do become, um, it's still got that element of fun and unpredictability. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just bounces along. It bounces along. And, and Quite rightly, as you said, like the use, the use of the soundtrack and the use of certain songs just sort of amplify. Yes. And they work brilliantly. And in, and in conjunction with that, the cast are all on board. They realise the ridiculousness of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, but and nobody yeah. plays it. Everybody plays it straight. There is no yeah. sort of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah. And Pratt, you know, who... James Gunn has, has actually come out and said he wasn't interested in getting Chris Pratt initially because um, he just saw him as um, Parks uh, and Recreation. The guy, the, yeah, the guy from Parks and Recreation. Um, but Chris Pratt um, wasn't interested in it initially also, which is surprising when you look at it now. Yeah. Because it, you do nothing but associate Chris Pratt with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, but he... Um, he wasn't interested initially, and it took um, it took a meeting of the two. Um, an agent sort of set up a meeting, and the two of them realised, "Hang on a minute, he's the right man." You know, he's um, he's yeah. got that. Um, he's like a, a mixture of a couple of different characters together, isn't he? The most obvious one is he's the Han Solo, isn't he? He's the the well, rogue. Do you know what? Rogue's charm. One of the things that I've actually found about, and I I've sort of. I've been reluctant to say it because I think it is a bit of a cliche, really. But mm. actually, I think for a generation now, he will be Har- he will be there, Harrison Ford. Yes, and my exact words to somebody when the film came out is, "This is my kids' generation, Star Wars, yes. almost." Because, because at that point, um, Force Awakens hadn't been released. No, nope. and this is the most obvious mantle. Um, that I could associate it to it. And I still stand by that, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, these films are are wildly successful, wildly successful. And 
I, I honestly do think that it creates, um, it does what the best sci-fi does. It creates its own universe. Yes. And as much as it's in and of the Marvel universe, the, you know, the infamous MCU, yeah. um, it, it, it is wild enough and out there enough that it, uh, I, you, you sort of go, oh my God, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. Well, you that, don't, that, do you? No, no, and I, 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 I maintain that it's it is the Star Wars for my children's generation. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Very I mean, much so. Let's look at the cast. Right, we've we've mentioned Monsieur Pratt, Chris Pratt. I, who I yeah. just think you know, because obviously Star Lord has been around for a, for a while, you know, in the comic books and things, and you know, we won't go into all of that. But you know, it's mm. a, you know, there's a character there that's gone through an interesting development. So yeah. you've got Chris Pratt, you've got Vin Diesel, who as Groot. You know who can who can actually you know the, the fact that he's you know gets more emotion from just saying the word Groot. <laughs> it's I'm 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 an, I know that this is a personal bugbear now, right? I got nothing against Vin Diesel. I think Vin Diesel is fine at what he does, right? But he's not acting as Groot. All he's doing is providing the voice. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same, exactly the same with Bradley Cooper, right? They're providing voices for CGI ah, characters, no. right? Have you seen the footage of Bradley Cooper? Because the, the, the motion capture as well. Yes, well, partial, isn't it? It's partial motion capture. Yeah. Have you seen the, the, the Bradley Cooper in the, with the motion capture stuff on being Rocket Raccoon? Yeah, he wasn't on set though, was he? he um... Yeah, he did. Uh, for certain sequences, he did appear on set to help them out with it. But there are moments where you watch him in that booth, and you know, if you and you listen to sort of Bradley Cooper's, you know, his his voice, he has completely created a different voice for himself because he doesn't sound anything like Bradley Cooper. I mean, well... now with his beard, he is morphing into Rocket Raccoon. Well, I was just going to say to the aforementioned uh, "A Star Is Born," he's got a completely different voice in that. Yeah, it's like it's like twelve octaves lower than it normally is. Yeah, it's, it's like he's stolen it from Sam Elliott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what happens if you're in like close proximity to Sam Elliott, his, his testosterone level sort of rubs off on you. <laughs> but um, yeah, and this is the. I, I don't. I, they are part of the cast. I'm not saying otherwise, you know. But it's it's not like they're physically there. Not like um, Chris Pratt and Zoe Saldana. Sal- and, yeah, Salanda, isn't it? Salanda, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's um, superb in this. She's yeah. absolutely superb in this. Um, she's she's very good. You got uh, Dave Batista as Drax. MVP. Yeah, <laughs> he is the MVP. <laughs> Uh, Lee, P- uh, Lee Pace as Ronan. Yes. Michael Rooker, who I love. And I love, I, and again, another James Gunn alumni. Um, he was in Slither. Oh, I love Slither. Yeah, Slither. Slither is a genius film. Slither is a brilliant film. Absolutely and brilliant. There's another connection to Slither. Guy at the beginning film. who, ah, uh, what's his name? Played the mayor in Slither. Plays think, uh, Chris Pratt's grandfather. Uh, and there is another one. Oh. That, that wasn't the one I was referring to. <laughs> What's his name? Oh, God. Greg Henry plays the grandfather. Um, right. Go on, who's the other one? Remind me. Uh, Nathan Fillion. Yes, yes. He, yeah. He's the plays the prisoner that gets beaten up by Groot. Yes. In the, the prison planet. Um, yeah, 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 that's right. 
Um, you got Lee Pace, Michael Rooker, uh, Karen Gillian as Nebula, Dimon. House, Houndsown, how house? Demonju Housen. Yes, there we are. Hey, hey, <laughs> John C. Riley. Yes, Glenn Close. Yes, who I forgot uh, was in it. Benicio del Toro, mm-hmm. who I think is brilliant in this. Um, yeah. Sean Gunn. Yes, uh, Laura Haddock, uh, Peter Serafinovich. Peter Serafinovich. That's the one. Who's now, in Shaun of the Dead? Yes. And spaced. And I think he's playing the tick as well now, isn't he, on Prime? Yes. Yes, he is, yeah. Um, and Wyatt Olaf as uh, Young Quill. And there's one you might have missed. Come on, then. Muxy from Asfida's Vain Pet. What was he in this? He plays the uh, the jeweller that Chris Ah Pratt, uh, yes, Christopher Fairbanks. Right, yeah, he's a superb actor. He's, he was in Batman nineteen eighty nine actually as well. Yeah, yeah, he was. was yeah, 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 the best. He, oh man, yeah, giving it the proper. Yeah, yeah. and what he's the one that gives the ultimate. What are you? Yeah, and Michael Keaton gives the I'm Batman. And thus establishing that Batman, whenever he puts the cowl on, has a sore throat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, and what I love about, and I mean, we talked about, I mentioned it at the beginning of the, this, it has the perfect three-part structure. And what's really, really interesting, each part of this film, so you get the opening bit, you get the you know the middle bit where it all starts you know falling apart, then they all come back together to form the, the final. You know, each part is forty minutes long. Mm-hmm. Each section of this is, is split perfectly. Oh, and of course, Glenn Close, yeah, Glenn pops Close. up. You know, is, is in this. But you know, the action sequences in this film are again superb. You know, the prison scene, <laughs> which you mentioned, is just brilliant. Um, the false leg every time. Yeah, the false leg. Even when I, w- I rewatched it, to, to, knowing this was coming up, yeah, it still makes me laugh because it's the it's the reaction. I've got the false leg you wanted, and he's like, no, I don't need it. And he's like, well, why did you ask me to get it? He said, I don't know. I thought it'd be funny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just it's brilliant, but that's quite good because that that's nodded to in um, Infinity War, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And he stood by the side of uh, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I like your gun. And he's like, oh, this was my gun. I'm not giving you this gun. And I said, I like your arm as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's almost like the, you can see the, the cogs working, isn't it? You yeah. Know, and see. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very good sequence. Very good sequence. Yeah. I quite mean, br- go on, go, 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 go. I was going to say it's quite brutal when um, Roman turns up there after then, isn't it? Because, yeah. Um, he just kills everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, as ca- I think Ronan is pro- quite possibly one of the angriest villains in, in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, he's, um, he's popping up again now, isn't he, soon? Yes. In Captain Marvel. Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, I'm looking forward to Captain Marvel. I am looking for- forward to Captain Marvel. I'm... It's, I don't... The, the, the trailers are not selling it to me. I don't know why... It's just I perhaps I think I think we're so used to so much fizz and pizzazz when you look at a Marvel trailer. Yeah. Um, this one I I don't know it just it's not connecting with me for whatever reason. 
And um, I, 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 I'll, I'll end up going to see it. It probably will, as Pinoma. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just I, I'm. It's not connecting with me. It's not singing at me like I'd expect it to. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. We'll now, see. <clears throat> what's really I love the you know and one of my favourite scenes um, <laughs> in this is the is the moment and I think it's so well played um, in this and and credit goes to Dave Batista in this is the moment where he realises. Um, it's not about his. It's not about his revenge. There's that sort of that sort of that moment where he's sort of you know he's he's tried to go go it alone, and he realizes. And it's such a well acted scene because you know obviously people think Dave Batista, WWE, you know super superstar. What's he doing in this? But actually, he showed that he's a very very good actor. Yeah, and we we mentioned on the um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine yeah yeah um, podcast how good he, and he actually sort of triggers everything that happens in twenty forty nine yeah you know in that in that sequence that he's actually in and he's he's terrific as I said at the beginning he's the MVP for me because his delivery and his his comic timing is just. Genius, yeah. almost. It yeah. really is. He's um, he's phenomenal. He's absolutely phenomenal. He's, uh, and again, you know, for somebody, you know, a character that has absolutely no emotion in it. Um, <laughs> so, well, that's not really true, is it? He takes everything lit- literally. Yes. Doesn't yeah, he? yeah. 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 I so, you know, and and sort of obviously spending fifteen years working with people who are very, very much on the ASD continuum. Um, mm. It is fascinating, actually, because you, I kind of know people who who are very much like that, and yeah. do take it very, very literally. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it, it, it was. Um, I remember reading an article that um, it was seen as a very positive thing. Yeah, completely. Um, for, for people to connect, you know, it's like, oh my god, there's, there's superheroes like me. You know, I have I have similar issues, and I can connect to that. You know, yeah. and I think that's that's credit to um, the writing of um, James Gunn and the other the other twenty four writers, as you say. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing as well, I just that I love about this film is its look. Yeah, it's. Um, this, this is this is probably the biggest risk that Marvel took to this point. Oh, it's a huge risk because in terms of like Marvel, when somebody says Marvel, people automatically jump to Iron Hulk, Man, and, Iron Man yeah, Hulk. Yeah, yeah. You know, now they do anyway. You know, you know before yeah. that, Fantastic Four. But each of these worlds and these planets are given a very, very distinct look. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's especially if you think um i certainly didn't know didn't know a lot about the guardians of the galaxy before the film came out i i knew very i'd heard of them but i knew very little of them yeah and you know when you read that one of the characters is going to be a talking raccoon with a massive machine gun and a a seven foot tree and you go in well how the hell are they going to pull it off and to the credit you know they did quite spectacularly so in certain uh, regards. Yeah, yeah. And um, it 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 looks 
it looks like a comic book. It really yeah, it does, does it, isn't it? it? Yeah, it does. and the color scheme, the color schemes for it, and particularly like the characters with you know with the pink skin, and the, it sort of has mm. that where they just sort of has that feel of sort of that you know the the, the quality, the paper quality, and that sort of nineteen seventies mm. color scheme. Yeah, sort of. yeah, because they, they first came out in the late, very late sixties. Yeah, yeah, probably I think it was about sixty eight, sixty nine. Yeah, first, yeah, it yeah. first sort of appeared. Yeah, and it, 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 I think more than, more so than uh, any other, um, perhaps, I don't know, Ragnarok might be more comic, leaning towards the comic books themselves in, in that, you know, yeah. it looks, it looks like it's stemmed from a comic book, Doctor Strange as well, perhaps. But I do think Guardians of the Galaxy sort of gives it that comic book come to life. Yeah, um, completely. Aesthetic. Yeah, completely. totally. Yeah, totally. No, yeah, and, and it just works. And I mean, even down to like, like the, you know, Michael Rooker's character design. Mm. You know, you think that, you know, where else would you get a character that, that kills people with like an arrow tail? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in, in fairness to the, the filmmakers, in part when they, they sort of toned Yondu down quite a lot, didn't they? Yes, yeah. And then in the sequel, they thought, well, hang on now, we can do whatever we want. So yeah. let's make him look like he did in, in the comic book yeah. and put a massive fin mohawk, on his head. Yeah. yeah. You know, mohawk, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> you know, it works. It does work. It really does work. Yeah. And I mean, like, uh, and again, this is a film that is rammed, absolutely rammed with Easter eggs. <laughs> just full of them um, yes yeah but they never never over sort of overplay it glorify it yeah there's never that sort of oh look now we've got Howard the Duck in a you know in a cage yeah. and, you know yeah is um again before he went on his um social media sabbatical shall we say um <laughs> it was quite it was quite um quite a fervent um Tweet and he would he would say um, he would confirm there are quite a lot of Easter eggs in the film. Yeah, and this, apparently there's still one that hasn't been found to this day that he, that is in there. And mm. I don't know. I, I I've picked up certain Easter eggs. You know, the the the, the officiado, should we say, the more the more learned um, fans may yeah. have picked up on others. But apparently there is still one Easter egg that hasn't been picked up on. Whether or not that has changed. I yeah. don't know, but, but Gunn hasn't actually come out and said that you know, the last Easter egg has been found that, that's in there. This, uh, you know, and one of the things that I do sort of, this film, even though for all of it sort of, and I'm, I've, got, I've got some of it playing on in the background now, and I'm just looking over, and it's the scene in the bar where mm. they've got the, you know, the creatures that are racing. Yeah, yeah. And you can, and, and you can see Drax getting drunker and drunker. Mm. And it's bit, and and even though these scenes are sort of there's a lot of fun in them actually it's it, there's a lot of t- you get, you get to spend some really good quality time with the characters here mm. and you get sort of um rock, you know uh, rocket sort of opening up about how, why he's the way he is yeah and it's a it, and again it's a great you know when you think about it what we've got isn't you know a sort of um. Uh, you know, an ASD alien 
um, and a talking raccoon who's been experimented on having a, a drunken heart-to-heart conversation. <laughs> However, you know, if you sort of try to, can you imagine trying to sell that to anyone? <laughs> well, yeah, and again, this sort of falls back onto the the, the braveness for um, of the Marvel um, Kevin Feige, you know, taking these these characters and you know letting auteurs have a crack at telling their stories. And let's be honest, there's only been very few missteps in the MCU, hasn't there? Yeah, I mean, um. Iron Man 2 wasn't particularly good, if we're honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hulk was okay, you know. But this is the thing, these films are not bad films. But no, no, when, yeah, I think that, you know, the Ang Lee Hulk is, is obviously is, is a fairly controversial one because you don't get an awful lot of Hulk. No, and that's not regarded really, is it, as, as part of the MCU. Yeah. Whereas the, the Edward Norton version is, um, is part, is canon then. Of, yeah. You know, yeah. the, the MCU as it is. Um, Thor The Dark World. I didn't mind Thor The Dark World, if I'm honest, but it, it doesn't get a lot of love from people. Yeah. Um, the first Thor film is good. It's okay. Um, I think it did need a proper fresh injection. Yes. Um, it, it, for the Thor character, hence why Ragnarok was so entertaining. And, you know, it basically turned everything that you thought you knew about Thor on its head. Yes. You know, and you know, it, all right, it it, it 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 leads up to Infinity War, but everything leads towards Infinity War yeah, and yeah. Endgame ultimately. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, it's um, it's good to see that these these directors and filmmakers and writers are allowed to um, to breathe their yeah, yeah. Um, their vision into it, especially when you look at something like um, the first Captain America. Joe Johnson, as far as I'm concerned, was the perfect choice because he's an old school filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. You know, and you you want that little bit of um, swashbuckle. Absolutely, that is the perfect term for it. And you know, I think if you were looking at say the trilogies within the MCU, Captain America is probably the strongest of the lot. Oh yeah. Yeah, and actually, you know, one of the more difficult ones because Captain America is, he, as a character, he's fucking boring. <laughs> well, that is certainly one way of putting it. Yeah, he is. Um, he's, you know, he, 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 he is. And I know the, the Captain America I, fans out there will go, "Oh no, he's not. He's 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 calm. No, he, he's kind of he's kind of a bit lame." Yeah, he's um, he's the proper. Um, he's the Boy Scout. Yes, and you know he's. <laughs> You've, 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 you've summed it up perfectly, but you know it, it. It says a lot about an actor like Chris Evans, and who can make him so charismatic. Yeah, and you, you know he would be the one you would turn to when the shit starts hitting the fan. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know he is. <laughs> what was that cartoon used to be on Dudley Do Right? Yeah, he is Dudley Do Right. He is, he is Dudley Do Right, isn't he? Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, and it's again a testament to to the characters, you know, and the people they are, and you know, making them like you say, a boring could have been a very boring character. Yeah. And then give it enough, give it enough heart and humor, and yeah. you know, making it into something much bigger. Yeah. But I, I, I think uh, the first Captain America is, is brilliant. And Winter Soldier is just fantastic. Yes, it is. Now, getting back around to this, now, one of my favourite scenes in this is the is the Benicio del Toro scene. 
because again, when you talk about sort of characters embracing the world that they're in, I think Del Toro is outstanding in this scene. I think he's absolutely brilliant. And the fact that he is just so slimy and so sinister, um, mm-hmm. he's as the collector, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. He does such a good job in the scene because again, it's that sort of, it's the, it's the, you know, it's the build up to that third, you know, to, to that, that's going to, you know, to, to the third act. It's, it's absolutely superb. He, mm-hmm. he is brilliant in it. And as a character, it's when he popped up in the, you know, in the last, last Jedi, I wanted to see more of his character. He irritated me in the last Jedi. Yeah, I, I quite, I quite liked him. I no, didn't I, quite I, like him. I, I almost thought it was, look, People got their own thoughts about the last Jedi. Some people love it. Some people hate it with passion. Um, I thought he was a bit of a missed opportunity. He didn't really add anything. Yeah. Plot-wise, story-wise. Um, and I, I, I didn't particularly like the sequence where he was, uh, the casino sequence. Yeah. I didn't, I thought that was, it didn't work. It, it didn't naff. work as far as, yeah, naff. They were perfect wording again. Um, yeah, it was a bit naff as far as within the Star Wars universe and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought he was a bit wasted in the last Jedi, but he, he is good. And he obviously crops up again um, in Infinity War. Yes, he does, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I, I don't recall, he's not in Volume 2, is he? No, no, he's not. No, he's not. Mm. Now, the other one who I think is 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 so good in this is Karen Gillian um, as Nebula. I think she's her character is so tragic. Yes, she's so tragic, yeah. um, but also really kick ass. Yeah, and um, I think especially um, when you see how what happens to her character later. Yeah, um, but she's she's almost dismissed. Um, from the off, isn't she? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. even by, by her father, you know, yeah. she's just, you know, the favorite daughter and, you know, and she is, and especially when you see the arcs that they, they, that she takes in later films, um, it's, it, it, especially in Infinity War. Um, yeah. I know yeah. keep going back to Infinity War, but at the end of the day, this is where all of these films are heading oh, yeah, towards. Completely, completely. So, completely. um, you know, she, she's, she's terrific. She's really, really good. And she's really kick ass, as you said, you know. Yeah. She's, um, and she went full, um, fully committed, didn't she? She actually oh, yeah. shaved her head. Yeah, yeah. You know, fully yeah. shaved her head. So to, to sort of prevent the prosthetics and everything, which she would later decide to go on in the other films. But first go, she thought I might as well full in <laughs> yeah <laughs> now the other one i mean the, one of my favorite sort of um and, he's, he, and i really love this about is john c Riley. It, it, his role is pretty much a cameo more than anything else isn't it it's a sort of it's like a little extended cameo but he does have some great lines he has yeah. got some really really great lines in this and i you know my my favorite gag the running gag of this is where peter quill is determined to get people to call him star lord <laughs> yeah and he, he, he believes his own hype doesn't he you know yeah and it shows his um 
ego as well that he gives himself such a what is a ridiculous nickname yeah it? yeah yeah it's, it's ridiculous when he calls himself star lord and, and yet the fact that he's like no never hear you no no never hear you at all and it's 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 when they in the lineup and they, they it's almost like a breakdown of each character isn't it you know yeah and he, he, John C. Riley reads off and calls himself Star Lord. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as if like, why, why would you do that? And but, um, another little finger bit. That was an improvised. That was an improvised moment. That that, that sort of the little sort of uh, where he sticks his middle finger up. That, and, it, yet, that was a little... it, and yet in the trailer, they um, they blurred it out, didn't they? In yeah. the trailer, um, it, they put like a little, where they like the, the, the details come up on screen of who they are and yeah. their height and what race they are. As he's doing the middle finger, um, they blurred it out in a little box by the side of it. And um, um, <laughs> yeah, what does it say? Obscene gesture, yeah, like, incoming or something like that. Yeah, it's a brilliant touch in fairness. There's another amazing line in this where you've got, um, and it's quite a. It's quite a touching scene. It's, again, it's between sort of Gamora and, uh, and, and Star-Lord, where she says, I'm a warrior and an assassin. I don't dance. Mm. And he says, really? Well, on my planet, we have a legend about people like you. It's called Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the fact that, you know, that line, you know, that we have, the, we have a legend. It's called Footloose, which, is, which kind of sums him up, really, doesn't it? It does sort of, you know, it gives this sort of, his character, this, this nostalgic, um, pathos. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, well, it's, it's, it's like when you see the personal items, isn't it? It's like the troll doll and uh, yeah. the walkman. Uh, he calls one of the, um, in the beginning, he calls one of the, um, one of the goons uh, back off Ninja Turtle. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, these people have got no idea what he's referring to or talking no, about, do they? No, so, no. Uh, and it's, it, you know, and but it's these sort of, you know, and there's a great line uh, where he says, yeah, I'll have to agree with the walking thesaurus and that. And, he, and, you know, and Drax says, don't ever call me a thesaurus. He said, it's just a metaphor, dude. And he said, his people are completely literal. Metaphors go <laughs> over his head. And he goes, nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. <laughs> It's just, <laughs> yeah. It's, it, 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 I get, you know, and you are, I think, you, when we talk about it being sort of Star Wars for a generation, mm. I think it's obviously, it's a lot, there's a lot, even though there's, there are very, very heavy moments in this and, they, and it plays really well as a quiet drama, there's a lot more fun to be had in the Guardians universe. <coughs> yeah. Without any very walk much. appearing anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and this is why um, when I mentioned earlier is um, especially when you're on the, the um, what's the name of the planet the, the collectors on this that massive skull um, yeah yeah nowhere. yeah 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 that that is that there's that um, tactility that's in there in the Star Wars universe isn't it it's not like uh, it's not like Star Trek, but everything is a little bit pristine and clean. Sterile. And, it's, it's, yeah. it's dirty. It's grimy. Yeah, um, yeah. And this is where I think that, that I make that subconscious correlation between the two. Yeah. Of, of having that, you know, used aesthetic to it all. Even even down to, um, like, the, 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 the spaceships, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the, essentially they look... They look all a bit damaged. They look all a bit sort of industrial. Nothing's got really sleek lines. But even even saying that, mind you, they still look quite cool. You know, like yeah. the, you know the 
they all look functional, but they all sort of still look quite sort of rudimentary. Yeah, very you know, much so. There's not very a big star so. destroyer sort of lurking in the background. It's sort of, you know, it's um, there's still something quite sort of almost Aztecian about some of like the, of the villain stuff and... Yeah, there it, it is. Um, but then you say in the Star Destroyer, Roland's ship is fucking enormous, isn't it? When yeah, it I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. And, um, you know, it, 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 it does have that little bit of, um, uh, especially the end sequence, you know, it does got that um, the attack of, of on the, the ship, isn't yeah, it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it is very, very um, X-Wings versus TIE Fighters yeah, and yeah. things like that, yeah, isn't yeah. But I think because it, it's so much fun, you sort of perhaps look past its obvious um, homages, well, shall we yeah, say. And comparisons. I think it's, you sort of, yeah, you do, you sort of, you, you do kind of go, oh, yeah, I, I can live with that. I can yeah. really, really live with that. Now, yeah. <laughs> Sean Gunn in this. Um, as Yondu's right-hand man, mm-hmm. he's superb. He's absolutely superb in this, and I don't think he gets enough credit because he treads a very, very fine line. Well, he's he's got a he gets a much bigger role in the sequel, doesn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. It might be down to his brother's writing, perhaps. I'm not saying but, otherwise, but. Um, <laughs> You know, um, but um, yeah, he's he's good. He's he's good. He's like the um, the right hand man, isn't he? Yeah. Cra- uh, what's, what's his name? Craglin, isn't it? Craglin. Yeah, Craglin is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he is the good as um, you know the buffer between Yondu and everybody else, basically. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Honest. Because you know, ultimately, Yondu can be a bit, a bit of a prick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, well, um, yeah. Well, he is, isn't he? He is a total yeah. dick, yeah. and it's you know, I lo- I'm like, I love like when they talk about the fact that sort of Peter Quill obviously spent like his early sort of childhood with them, and like when he talks about the fact that he kept threatening to eat him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> they wanted to eat you. You know, I yeah. stopped them from doing yeah. that. You know? <laughs> That's quality. He is good. Now, He's really good at Venus. We have to talk about the Walkman. That Walkman is a Sony TPS L2. I had a blue version of it when I was a kid. <laughs> really? Yeah, I had a blue version of it. Do you know what? I, I I'm just devastated that I dropped it down the stairs when I was about ten, and it just I just it was in bits. I put my poor hearing down to the sheer volume that I used to listen <laughs> to tapes when I was a kid um, on the various bands that I met, that I had. Um, yeah. I never had an expensive one because I was crap looking after stuff when I was a kid. Um, but um, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, it, I, 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 I tell you what I do like is the tape deck that he's got in the ship. Yes, that huge wooden. Two handles either side. Yes. Units set up, you know, um, we are of a generation where you can remember, um, you know, your um, record player being built into the table unit. Yeah. In the <laughs> and, you know, having to get up and turn the television over physically. Yes. 
you know, not having everything remotely. You know, or the fact that you can just sort of walk into a room and uh, like you go, Alexa, (laughs) wipe my bum for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've not got anything like that in my house because they kind of terrify me a little bit. I tell you what, I had a really, really, really shitty moment the other night with one with with Alexa, fast asleep, and suddenly it goes, "I'm sorry, I don't remember asking that question. I don't remember the question," and it's like, "Oh, oh, demons, demons, yeah. Louise, no. get a young priest, an old priest, quick! I told you we should practice for these moments. The ah, poodle's no. possessed. No, right." This is something I wanted to bring up when we were talk. We were next going to talk. Right, come on then. Do you remember me telling? I might have texted you saying I've got a stat about something that's going to blow your fucking mind. Come on then. It's to do with The Exorcist, right? Right. Max von Sydow. Yes. Father Marin. Yeah. Yes. How old was he when he made The Exorcist? Oh, he wasn't very old. He had a lot of makeup to make him look older. I think he was in his, was he in his 40s, late 40s? He's the exact same age I am now. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I know. I know, particularly as he oh. looks better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I, I read that and I thought, holy Shit. Wow. And it was like, I better tell Lloyd the next, next time I speak to him. I've got to tell him. Holy shit. I, Holy shit. That's just. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> now, out of this film, because I mean, we, we, we've sort of gone all around, you know, around the houses. Have we got any particular, particular favorite scenes in this? Anything that sort of, you know, um, I don't know because for 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 an awful long time this has been my favourite Marvel film. Yeah, um, I think the sequel is terrific. It's not better than the original simply because the original is so original and so out there. Um, I think one of my favourite sequences will always be um, the Prison Escape because when you sort of see the ass-kicking moments happening alongside Chris Pratt asking a man for his false leg and yeah. Rocket Rocket being the ge- appearing to be the genius that we didn't know that he was. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's been always been a pretty good stand-up moment. Um, Do you know my favourite moment is in the whole prison bit? Mm-hmm. Where Groot is, un- like, pulling off the like like the air vent type thing <laughs> and he just throws it behind and there's the guy walking behind and he just goes <laughs> Dong! yeah yeah um I, I i do like the um the dance off as well because it's so unexpected yeah. and Roland just looking at um chris, uh, chris <laughs> singing and dancing to um ooh child things are gonna get easier <laughs> you know giving it um giving it all of that and um you know it's so unexpected yeah and i think that that leads up to they actually the moment where they actually become a team isn't yeah, it yeah yeah um, yeah as a you know they have been a team in in different 
yeah, yeah. Days it's been, this, that, that sort of solidifies them actually well, this, this, and, and this is what I love about this, and I, this is something, you know, that I think is, is just absolutely fundamental throughout the film. It's this idea, and that's why it's so important, that the music in this film mm. brings all the characters together. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like the, um, the, 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 the sequence you were talking about when um, uh, Gamora and um, Quill are talking about dancing. Yeah. That's the scene where um, um, Moon Age Daydream is playing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it sort of just works perfectly, you know. And who would have ever, ever thought that 10 cc's um, I'm not in love would work in a science fiction film? <laughs> I'm well, not in love. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. no one knows the second line. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, and, and that's that's why. And the thing is, in fairness, the sequel has a good soundtrack. Oh, it's got a great it. soundtrack. Yeah, the only the only thing I always wanted from um, the soundtrack in Volume Two. It's because of the era that um, Quill grew up on Earth. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, the age that he was and all the rest. I wanted Van Halen's jump to be in volume two. Yeah. Because I thought, I thought, I, I, this is this is gospel now. I thought it would have been the ideal sort of starting point for volume two. Yeah, yeah. Fast forward to a year or two later, Ready Player One starts with Van Halen's yeah. jump. Yeah. And I was like, uh, oh, my God. I wonder if Steven Spielberg has read a tweet of mine that I said. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the soundtracks are amazing. They, they really are. They really, really are. And it, it's, it's, it's crazy. You think you've got 10cc at, at the beginning, and then you end then with um, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, and again, great, great, great song. But the, And the use of Cherry Bomb. <laughs> the runaways, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, people sort of snigger a little bit at the uh, at the runaway. I mean, that again. Have you seen the film about the runaways? Yeah. Oh, it's fucking dark. It's it's, well, a, it's a really, really, really dark, dark, dark. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's, there's a certain well, there's, there's things come out, doesn't it? Since yeah. the film was made, it happened um, to them, um, the, the different members. Um, yeah, yeah. Because they, they were kids at the end of the day. Yeah, weren't they, they were. They would, you know, they just, yeah, very, very much so. But like, <laughs> there's an amazing um, for me. There's an amazing moment in this. Where you get that sort of, um, you get the, the 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 Marvin Gaye track starts playing up, and it just it, it it's it's this it's almost like the perfect marrying of cinema and music, but not using traditional scoring. Yeah, it it, it has got some original music. Yeah, it has got it? yeah, it has got that. But it, I think you know, obviously the, the the predominant. But it's that sort of that moment where you sort of. You know, you can clearly see that the filmmaker, you know, James Gunn, it, this is this is something that's been in his head, and that marrying up of it is just it, it is just incredible. Yeah, it's just I, I, incredible. I, I think a lot of filmmakers um, have those ideas when they're making films, don't they? Of um, 
Yes. Scorsese, Scorsese does it. Tarantino's done it. Um, you know, they, they have, um, the music and they, they hear a song and they think, oh, I could slot that in. I think the beauty of this is that there aren't two songs similar. No, no. Which is quite the opposite with a lot of filmmakers, isn't it? You know, they yeah. tend to use a genre or an era. And yeah, there are songs of the late 70s, early 80s with this. Um, but, um, you know, you've, you've got saccharine pop music to the cheesy Pina Colada song. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, to bow, to to what I would call prime Bowie. Yeah. To, you know, um, to a cheesy, well, not a cheesy, but a, quite a bleak love song in 10 CC, you know. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, and, then, and, the, and, you, and it's the, you know, the, you know, big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's a bit like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, oh. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's a great, great soundtrack. It really is. It really, really is. And I mean, this film is absolutely rammed, like we've already said, with like great liners. I mean, the other one is, I know who you are, Peter Quill. And I'm not starry-eyed. I'm not some. I'm not some starry-eyed waifu succumb to your pelvic sorcery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What does um, What does Drax call Rocket the one pound creepy little beast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It is. A, it is. It, it is a very very funny. Bit. I, like, I tell you, like, the one part I like is when you're introduced to. Um, Nova Prime Glenn Close and she's speaking to yes. uh, that politician and as the conversation, the video conversation ends, he hangs up and she just goes, prick. And <laughs> the, the exasperated way that she says it um, <laughs> it just sums up her, you know, her character then, isn't it? Because it is, it is a, a cameo of sorts, isn't it? Because yeah. she's she is in it a little bit later but um, it sort of sets things up for her. Yes, it does, yeah. 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 Really good. Really I mean, good. this is a film that, you know, like I said, you know, is, for me, it's held together by, you know, it, it, it that three part structure. It's got that incredible, um, it's got this, this amazing ability to make you feel, you know, happy, make you feel sad. It, it, it's, it's got all those elements for a great sort of blockbuster film, but at the same time, it doesn't spill over into those sort of the cliche tropes. No, and I think a large part of that is because the characters are so out there. Yes. You know, um, <laughs> especially when you think that, you know, one of them is a seven foot walking, talking tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, um, it, 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 it is, Sorry, mate. Sorry. Oh, sorry, I could do it. No, it's all right. It's all right. Um, yeah, sorry. Where was I? Um, walking, talking tree. Yeah. When one character is a seven foot walking, talking tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it does break within the norm then and it falls out of convention, even though it, we just take it as fact that a seven-foot walking talking tree is, is a normal thing. Yes. It, you know, and, um, at, you know, a, a walking talking machine gun wielding raccoon also is a, yeah, is a normal thing. But, um, no, it's, um, yeah, it's, and I mean, it, and, and also the, if you, and again, you the, the, the sort of the foreshadowing, you get the fact that, you know, Quill is, is haunted by the fact that he didn't hold his mother's hand. And then mm. at the end of this film, he takes, 
um, um, Gamora's hand. And mm. it, it's that sort of, you know, it, it comes full circle and sort of you get that, you know, again, it's that sort of, it, it's a real sort of, it's, it's a symbol in it. You've got that great arc, of, you know, arc of the characters going through and, you know, the fact that, you know, he's accepting, you know, he's finally accepting, you know, what's happened to him and he's moving forward. It's a great, it's a really, really well played moment in the film. It's one of my favorite parts in it. Yeah. No, it's good. And, I think the, the Infinity Stones had sort of been mentioned in passing in previous films. Yes, but yes. this is the this is the one that sort of instigated how things were going to develop laterally yes. for the rest of the other movies. Then, isn't it? Yes, um, because, because I'm right to think. I mean, is it Thor? Is it Thor? Is the first sort of introduction? introduction yes, to I think it is. Stones? I think it is. I think it is. I don't I think, think it was any. I don't think it was any of the Iron Man's, was it? No, no, no. I think you know. I think you are right. Somebody will probably come and correct this. Somebody will come and correct. No, I think you'll find that the Infinity Stones were first mentioned in <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy uh, comic no, book I... number five, page thirty-two. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about the comic books. I'm on about the films. <laughs> so I, I think Thor introduced the Infinity Stones to begin with. Yeah, yeah, and then. Captain America obviously then took it onwards. Yes. And then, and then Thanos was introduced then in yeah. Avengers. Yeah. 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 Well, it's the idea, you know, you know, he is the bit, he is the ultimate villain, isn't he, Thanos? And, yes. Yes. You know, and 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 he, the fact that you don't see too much of him in this. No, he, he, there is that scene, isn't it, where, um, Ronan kills, um, Thanos' um, right hand man, doesn't yes, he? Yes. And, and he turns his head right the way around the other way. <laughs> Yes, yeah, you know, um, yeah, and that sort of sets the precedent, doesn't it, um, of Ronan and Thanos. Yeah. Four films to come. Yeah. Now, would you describe this as space opera? um, I suppose I would in some respect because... um, it is out there, isn't it? And uh, I, I, look, I made the some, I made the association to Star Wars from the off. Yeah. So I yeah. would have to say it is space opera. However, its origins obviously are um, in the comic book world. Yeah. And it is a comic book movie, um, but it is a space opera. It is a space opera. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. I would say that. I would definitely. I mean. Just sort of whilst, you know, looking at like the different cameo roles you've got in it, like you said, you've got Howard the Duck shows up mm-hmm. um, and he's voiced by Seth Green. Yes, he is. He's voiced yeah. by Seth Green. You've got Lloyd Kaufman, who <laughs> um, I love yeah. Lloyd Kaufman. If you, anybody ever gets an opportunity to listen to Lloyd Kaufman be an interview. Yeah. And of course, Lloyd Kaufman is the man behind trauma movies and the Toxic Avenger. And of course, James Gunn worked early on with um, with Kaufman on Tromeo and Juliet, which is brilliant. Which is absolutely brilliant. You should, people should go and watch Tromeo uh, and Juliet. Um, you've got Stan Lee pops up, cameos. So he said, "Howard the Duck shows up, uh, voiced by Seth Green, Lloyd Kaufman who pops up." And then we got Stan Lee, who is there trying to pick up a girl much younger than himself, um, probably a little bit mistimed. 
<laughs> yeah. a, bit, a little bit like uh, Mr. Gunn's tweets, bum bum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you said, you've got Nathan Fillion, um, is the voice of the, big, the alien, the Groot uh, batters. Rob Zombie also yeah. pops up. Yeah. Um, um, you got. Um, what else is there? There's, and there's quite a few others actually, but I didn't know about the Rob Zombie one. Yeah, he's, I didn't, um, know, didn't go back. One, he's one of the prisoners, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. In prison scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's uh, one of the navigators. He's one of the. He appeared as the voice of the, of the navigator. I had to go back and look at that. I had to go is back. He? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go back and look at it. I, I, I thought he was one of the prison um, population. No, he's uh, the voice of um, the na- of the navigator. So, but yeah, and again, this is one of those things where you sort of go back and you start sort of, um, start looking at, you know, you start listening and you look, you know, look at these different bits and you sort of, you hear these different, and you just think, yeah, like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then you can't sort of like sort of not see them then. Well, it's like, um, I didn't know, um, until I, I rewatched it. I know I say I've talked about Infinity War a bit, however, um, at the very beginning of Infinity War, the distress signal from um, Thor's ship, mm. which is um, uh, what's the bloody what's, what's Thor's world? Go blank. Mythgard. Asgard. 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 Mythgard is is Viking hell. Sorry. Right. The, 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 the distress signal going from the ship, which is ultimately Asgard, yeah. is voiced by Kenneth Branagh. Ah! Who directed the first, the first Thor, Thor yeah. film. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I didn't realise that until uh, very recently. Yeah. And then you can then you realise that when he gets clipped, you know, very clipped tones and, you know, very well pronounced. Yes. Isn't he? Yes. Very much so. Very I, much I, so. Do, I do like Kenneth Branagh as an actor. I, and, and as a director, actually. I think he's a very good director. He's a, he's a very... I don't think people realise how versatile he is as a director. No. no I mean, he's, I really enjoyed Murder on the Orient Express. Is it the book? Uh, no. Because the book is awesome. But, uh, you know, I did enjoy Murder on the Orient Express. I thought it was really good. It's average. Uh, I, it's average. I, you know, I don't think it's nothing special, but it's a very good film. Very well yeah, made. Yeah, I... Um, I watched it and enjoyed it. Yeah, it, uh, but that's the thing, you know. He's got, um, he's he's got. What's that kids' book that's coming out? Um, Artemis Fowl. Yeah, yeah. He's doing the adaption of that. You know, when you look at, it, he's done like Cinderella. Yeah, he did, uh, he did a Jack Ryan film as well. Yes, he did. He did. You know, Thor, and then he's got his um, Shakespeare in betweens because he's got to have his fix, isn't he? In fairness to him, yeah. But yeah. um, no, he is quite. A, he's a really versatile director. Yeah, very versatile. Now, <laughs> I've mentioned like I. For me, this film is you know it's the music, the action sequences in this are absolutely superb. Um, the bit that still makes me chuckle is <laughs> when Drax um, blows up. Uh, what's her name with the bazooka? Uh, where he? he uh, oh, what's her name? I just said just said it now. Um, Nebula. Where this, you think there's going to be this big, and he just there's, there's suddenly this just just yeah. blows her across the screen. Yeah. But again, for me, what makes it is the combination of the music, but also some of the most incredible one-liners. Um, and we said about the, the gag of um, you know when he says you know Peter Quill, also known as Star Lord, and the one officer said, "Who calls him that?" And he says, "Himself, mostly." 
there's that one. And then, you know, you get, um, so, um, oh, look, if it isn't Star Prince. And it's, <laughs> what's, what's the other one as well? Um, when they're on the ship and he goes, um, that's oh, a good thing I've got a black light in here because it looked like a Jackson Pollock painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember watching that in the cinema, right? I'm bursting out laughing and my kids are looking at me, well, why is that funny? And yeah. I'm like, that's, that's not a conversation day. that I want. <laughs> No, no, that's for another day. That's for another day. <laughs> so, here we go. Here we go. How are you going to score this one? I would give it a eight and a half out of ten. <sighs> Oosh. No, you see, I thought you would have come in with a nine. No, I, I give it an eight and a half because as much as it was my favourite Marvel film for a long, long time... Infinity War has just moved Marvel up a level. I don't think they even sort of anticipated happening. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. Yeah. It, so in that respect, um, it is an eight and a half. Um, and like I said, it, for a very long time, it's been, it was my favourite Marvel film, but I think Infinity War has just yeah. changed everything rightly or wrongly for the MCU. So for me, it's a nine. Yeah, it is a nine, um, yeah. because I just you know this was like I said it was my favorite uh, MCU film, mm. um, and I ha- you know and I just love the fact that there is this re- it doesn't take itself too seriously, it sort of it, it it's able to play it for laughs but it doesn't fall into that sort of um, ha 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 wink wink nudge nudge, mm. um, and it doesn't come across as smug. No, which it no. could have. Yeah, and um, it could have come across as um, ha, we're all in the joke and very knowing, and it yes. doesn't do that. Thankfully, um, it's also quite sweet in some way, isn't it? Yeah, you know? it's very, very touching. You got, like I say, you got the moments where you know, and particularly when you think Groot has bit the dust. Yes, you know, yes. I, you know, I remember getting a little bit emotional with the fact that Shrub has bit, you know, is, is dead. Yeah, and I think it's. It's always it, it does make me chuckle um, with um, at the end. Rocket is just carrying a twig, isn't it? Yeah, and you know he's clearly upset and very upset over it. And but then it, it leads to one of the best sight gags in the, the entire film. After when Groot has been planted and he's yes. dancing to the Jack, yeah, dancing to the Jackson Five. But then Dave Batista is, you know, trying to catch him out through the corner of his eye. Is brilliantly done. Yeah, brilliantly done. Fair play. It, it is a great, you know, it, 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 you know for, for me it's a nine. And i got to be honest with you, I think the action sequences in this film are superbly done. Mm. I think they are superbly done. And I think people sort of underestimate how good those scenes are. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's, it, it, look, it's funny, it's exciting, it's got weird characters. Um, it's everything that you want, really, from a knockabout space adventure, isn't it? Oh, completely. Completely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's a great... It's a great film. It's a great, yeah. great film, and it's got a lot yeah. going for it. Absolutely. So, eight for you, nine for me. Eight and a half, mine was. Eight and a half, yeah. Sorry, miles away then, because I was actually watching the final sequence on it. <laughs> <laughs> right then, dude. We're going to need to talk off air. Um a little bit, because I, I have a cunning plan. Now, I know we're going to come back and talk volume two, 
but I have a cunning plan for a film that we both have not seen, but I think we'll both enjoy. So mm-hmm. I'm going to leave that hanging. Once again, thank you for being on. Always a pleasure, never a chore. We can't leave it as long again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's our Guardian of the Galaxy. Anything you want to say before we leave? Come on, Liverpool. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Right. On that bombshell, I'm pressing off. See you later. <laughs> Speak to you soon, buddy. Take it easy. Okay, man. Take care, man. Okay, once again, I want to say a big thank you to Leighton for being on. Always a pleasure. Like I said, sometimes a chore. <laughs> no, but he get in. It's always great to have him on, and I'm sure he'll be back very, very, very soon. Now, before... I dive into what the Wookiee watched. I have got a number of thank yous to hand out to people who have so generously donated to the GoFundMe campaign for my short film, School Hall Slaughter. So if you don't know about it, I'm going to be filming a short film over the summer. um, And you too can get your name in the credits. Yes, I know. I know. Um, you get a special thanks if you make a donation via our GoFundMe campaign. Um, so you can go over there, check it out. It's on School Hall Slaughter at GoFundMe. Um, of course, you can find it on the School Hall Slaughter Instagram account, on the Facebook page. Um, so please, we've got loads and loads of information up there. The cast is just phenomenal. We were, I'm so lucky and I'm really, really looking forward to sharing it with you. Okay, so the people, I need to thank you. Thank you. Give thanks to. Thank you. Yes. Give big thanks to. Oh, come on. Bear with me. I'm shattered. (laughs) Okay. First of all, Peter Nielsen. Once again, my friend. Thank you. I'm going to have to give him some kind of executive producer because he's put his hand in his pocket and donated again. So thank you again, my good friend. Not only is he pulling uh, hosting duties on here... And on Retro Movie Geek, he is also single-handedly financed. No, I'm just kidding. He is putting his hand in his pocket and he is, you know, once again, thank you very much for your donation. I really, really appreciate it. The one, the only, Gilman, Joel Robertson of Retro Movie Geek fame. And now, one of the hosts over at the Horror Movie Podcast. Joel, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Honestly, thank you, my friend. Um, Again, Darren Hall. Uh, David Charlesworth, Paul Maskell, Richard Roundtree, Peter Nielsen again, Big Die Hill, Ruth Muirhead, uh, Russell Flowers, uh, Jude Jones, Ian Watkins, Jay Prowse, Wayne Bassett, Gareth Dighton, Lynn Lane, Jeff Burnham, Richard Jones, David Davis, Catherine Davis, Lindsay Davis, Peter Germany, Anthony Price, Ruth Muirhead and Paul Don't. So, if I have missed you out at all, I'm sorry, but I've only got a short amount of time on you, but I will get round to you, I promise. So, like I said, if you want to donate, please go over to the GoFundMe campaign. Get yourselves over to Instagram and follow the school hall slaughter. So, now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for What the Wookiee Watched. And at first, we have got, from 2018, Redcon 1. Let's check out the trailer. It's about extraction and nothing else. We keep it calm. We keep it sharp. In 72 hours, the quarantine zone will be completely annihilated. A scientist 
The only hope of finding a cure. Anybody get the feeling they've already won this war? Well, I got eight clips in my assault rifle that says otherwise. Okay, that was the trailer for Redcon 1 from 2018, directed by Chi Kyung Chung, uh, written by Chi Kyung Chung and Steve uh, Horvath and Mark Strange. Um, it also stars, now I'm going to apologise for this, but it's Oris Ihura. Now, some of you may remember him as from the 90s and uh, sort of early 2000s. He was a guy who was photographed in his pants a lot for Calvin Klein. <laughs> um, uh, Carlos Gallardo, Mark Strange, uh, Katrina Lee Waters, Martin Ford. Now, I got the chance to meet Martin Ford um, up at the Body Power Expo this year. He is an enormous man. He's about six foot eight and about 300 pounds. He is enormous. Enormous fella. Um, Joshua Dickinson, Michael Sheenan, uh, Akira Koyama, Ewan McConaughey, Mark Bayliss. Now, Mark Bayliss, you know, fans of Coronation Street will remember him. And Douglas Russell, Madeline Kelly, Lindsay Fielding, Robert Goulard, Ola O'Rourke. Ola, Ola O'Rourke, sorry. Um, I was really looking forward to this film. Really, really looking forward to it. You know me. I'm a sucker for a good zombie movie. Unfortunately, didn't get it on this one. Um, it's two hours long. Two hours long, and it goes nowhere. Um, it's It throws in every kind of uh, cliche that you can possibly imagine of uh, special forces versus zombies, um, but actually they are quite possibly the most unprofessional uh, soldiers you've ever seen. Um, the acting in this goes from uh, wooden to wooden. <laughs> um, the script is terrible. Um, the action is absolutely killed by the horrific use of shaky cam. And you, everybody, you know, if you listen to the show, you know I got a pet ache for shaky cam. It is horrific. Absolutely kills it. Kills it, kills it, kills it, stone dead. Um, the story is a squad of eight Special Forces soldiers are assigned to a suicide mission to rescue a scientist from a city that has been overrun by infected. It, Like I said, it just it's two hours long. It doesn't really go anywhere. Um, there are moments in it um, that are quite cool, but 
it it's just it's it's a good idea badly executed um and a bit boring to be perfectly honest with you it's a little bit boring even the sight of a nombi a nombi a nombi zombie uh, oh i'm sorry it's late and uh, i'm talking rubbish now a zombie using nunchucks and um, cannot save this film cannot save it it's it's just dire it's dire um what would i give this one i would probably give this a three out of ten and a void um i picked it up for you know a couple of quid in a supermarket um yeah it's not great which is a shame really because it's such you know it could have been great but it's not it's Badly written, uh, poorly acted, horrifically um, directed, and it's, it's, it's just not a great film. It's just not good. And I hate being this negative about films. You know that. I tried to find the good in it, but it's not. It's just really bad. There's just, you know, there are moments where, you know, there's bursts of action, and for whatever reason, they've just tried to sort of throw in as many sort of different martial art techniques to try and uh, kill a zombie. It's just poor. It's badly written. Um, I'm sure there's a good idea in there somewhere, but it just needed to be a much, much tighter film, and it would have been better, and it would have benefited from it. So, like I said, that's Redcon One, and that's a. Um, I'm gonna give it a two, actually. Yeah, I think I give it a three. I'm gonna give it a two. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, up next we have got Deadly Detention from 2017. Let's check out the trailer. For these high school students, the jock, the all-star, Miss Popular, the outsider, and the punk. Welcome to detention, boys and girls. Wanna cuff me, Harker? It was a Saturday club they didn't want to join. The school is being fumigated, so the district has kindly arranged for us to stay here in what was formerly known as Wayview Prison. Lexi, may I have your phone? But in these hallways... Let me in! No! No! Open the door. Once you're inside... Oh, please, no! Stop! Attention, students. The rules have changed. What do you want from us? I am your new principal. I am going to find a way out. There is no escape. Hello? Is anybody there? It's dead. And if they're going to survive detention... This place is totally haunted. This place used to be a prison for the criminally insane. Thanks for creeping me out even more, freak show. They'll have to put aside their differences. Oh my god, what is that? Go, go, go! And find a way to work together. It is just trying to scare us, and we can't let it get the best of us. To make it out alive. Marvista Entertainment presents Jillian Vigman. Alex Frinka, Sarah Davenport, Henry Zaga, Coy Stewart, and Jennifer Robin Jacobs. Some after-school activities. Don't worry, baby. Mama's got it covered. Can be tough on the student body. No! No, please! Deadly detention. Okay, that was the trailer for 
Deadly Detention, also known as The Detained from 2017. This story follows uh, five unlucky high school students who find themselves in a Saturday detention. Um, But their school has been overrun by rabid possums. And uh, now they have to use a former correction facility. Um, But there's a killer amongst them. Can they survive? Well... Uh, this one is directed by Blair Hayes. It was written by Alison Spuck McNeely and Casey Tabano. And it stars Alex Franca, Syrah Davenport, Henry Zaga, Coy Stewart, <laughs> Jennifer Robin Jacobs, Gillian uh, Vigman, Kevin Blake. This uh, You can find this one on Netflix. So uh, if you have a Netflix uh, subscription, you can find that one on there. This is very, very horror light. Um, it's sort of, it, it, it's nothing new. Um, it, it, like it says in the trailer, you get all the cliches. I think it's going for Breakfast Club meets, uh, a slasher movie. It's, uh, it's okay. It just, it, it does, you know, I think if you look for younger audience, uh, members, I think it's absolutely fine. There's not an awful, awful lot of gore in it. It does have a couple of moments in it. Um, again, it's low budget and they, they, the, 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 the young cast work very, very well with what they've got. Um, is a bit of an awkward sex scene in it, but it's one of those um, very much in the style of Phantasm where people are having sex with their trousers on. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Deadly Detention is okay. Uh, there's a couple, you know, there's little, one or two little jumps in it. It's reasonably entertaining. If you've got a bit of time to, to spare chuck it on um however um i probably wouldn't give this any higher than a 3.5 and like i said it's available on netflix now up next we have got the nun from 2018 let's check out the trailer i had a series of visions when i was younger and after each one ended the same thought would be stuck in my head I saw none. Word of my visions reached the church, and I was asked to accompany a priest to an abbey in Romania. The abbey has a long history. Valak. Not all good. What? Callahan's here. Okay, that was the trailer for 2018's The Nun. Of course, The Nun is part of the Conjuring universe, um, and this serves as the backstory for the demon Valak. Um, 
A priest with a haunted past and a novice on the threshold of her final vows are sent by the Vatican to investigate the death of a young nun in Romania and confront a malevolent force in the form of a demonic nun. And this one is directed by Corin Hardy and written by Gary Doberman. Um, of course, this is part. Of, this was produced by James Wan. Um, James Wan also had a hand in doing some of the reshoots for this. Um, and you can you can, and this very very much fits very nicely within that universe. And you can see the touches that James Wan. Um, you can see where his hand has appeared in this. It stars Damien Bircher, uh, Tasia Farmiger, Jonas Blanquet, and of course Bonnie Ahrens as the nun. Uh, the, I, it's a bit of a diff- tricky one. This one because on one hand I really really enjoyed this. I thought it was very very. It's it's very much popcorn horror. Um, there's nothing too deep on this. It has some really nice jump scares as you, you'd expect from the Conjuring and the Insidious universe. Um, it's I think. It's sort of uh, it's very very much aimed at the PG thirteen market. Um, is this um, one of the, is it an entry that sort of serves um, the character Valak? Well, I don't think it does because I think the demon Valak actually is a very very cool character and probably could have done with a slightly better prequel. However, the cast are on good form. It's very very competently directed. It's got a good story. It moves at a good pace. Um, it has some cool moments in it. It kind of reinforces my fear of nuns. <laughs> There's nothing new here on display. Um, it's like I said. It's got some good jump scares. It moves along at a pace. It kind of keeps that universe ticking over. You get the obligatory sort of uh, tie-ins with the other sort of characters and the other events that are going on with the Annabelle, the Conjuring movie. You get all of those. You know, all of those things are all locked in there, and it keeps it nicely moving. Um, I think uh, Bonnie Aaron Aaron's as the nun is just striking. She is very, very, very striking to see, um, and it's a great creation. It's one of the, I think it's it's one of the great creations um, that we have in horror that we haven't seen for a little while. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I said, it's not a masterpiece, however. Um, and there are a number of plot holes, but if you were just looking for something, if you're in the sort of mood to enter into the Conjuring universe or another Annabelle movie, this is very much, like I said, a throwaway, throwaway horror popcorn film. Um, and I would give this a six out of 10. So ladies and gentlemen, our time draws to an end, but don't worry. We will be back very, very soon. And on the next episode, I am joined by the one, the only, Mr. Peter Nielsen. So I would like to say on behalf of myself and Leighton and everybody else who's involved in the podcast, thank you so much for bearing with me. I can't wait to share uh, School Hall Slaughter with you. I'm really, really excited. I know the podcast has been a sort of, you know, we're a little bit behind on schedule, but we're doing everything I possibly can to make sure that you're getting your, you're getting your regular Wookiee fix, if there is such a thing. <laughs> As always, I would like to say a huge thank you to our listeners and everybody who tweets and listens and follows me on Instagram and on Facebook. Thank you so much. It is very, very, very humbling. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Um, as always, get yourselves over to the Horror Movie Podcast. Now, they've got, you know, Joel's on there. He's doing a superb job. Um, you know, of course, you've got Land of the Creeps of Gregor Mortis. Of course, you've got Al and Jeff. 
father and son team over at Cadavercast. Get over there and listen to them. Of course, my man Jay, need to get yourselves over and check out the bloody show. Yes, absolutely superb. Really, really, really good podcast. Jay is a great guy. Um, honestly, I can't wait to have him back on the show. On the show? On the show. Bit punched, but it's a bit slap happy now. <laughs> so, you know, get yourselves over there. Um, it's it's well worth it. It, it. You know, he's been on the sh- on the podcast before. It's it's a it's a superb podcast. Honestly, get yourselves over because you can find it on SoundCloud. I think, yeah, SoundCloud. That's right. Okay, last shout out. Now, my friends over at Showcase um, Community Theatre, they will be performing in the Coliseum in Aberdeen in the first week of April. Legally Blonde, the musical. So, if you're listening to this and you're in the Aberdeen area and you need somewhere, you know, you fancy something a little, little bit lighter than our usual horror affair, get yourselves over there. Um, it, it's always a great show. It's well worth it. They also have some of the cutest chihuahuas on display. <laughs> I know. Get yourselves over there um, and support them. So keep, keep the local arts alive. So get yourselves over there and support them. So, ladies and gentlemen... In the immortal words of Count Dracula, good night out there, whatever you are. Now from Cadavercast, you've been listening to the Undead Wookiee. The best.